The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer, here in San Antonio. Thank you very, very much for joining us, my friends. We've got a packed uh, show as usual on this very, very chilly, yeah, by our standards, it's chilly, on this very, very chilly, cold uh, Saturday, uh, January 22nd, 2022. Welcome to the show, folks. Uh, let me remind everyone that our program is pre-recorded. That means um, no need to uh, call into the show right now. Uh, we don't take calls. Uh, as well as we want to thank our sponsor, Border Hawk News. If you want to know anything, anything about immigration patterns, about migration patterns across the world and here locally, uh, in the United States, Border Hawk News is the place to go to get information. They are number one. So, um, let me tell you real quick who our guests are, because we've got um, we've got a packed uh, show today as usual. First of all, we've got Mr. Randy Clark with Breitbart. Uh, Randy is a uh, a reporter for Breitbart on the border here in Del in the Del Rio area. <clears throat> Randy is also a former uh, Border Patrol agent. So not only does Randy know <clears throat> um, the issues because he's watching them and reporting them, he has lived it. He has worked uh, as a uh, as a Border Patrol agent and has seen everything from the inside. So Randy's going to give us an update of what is happening um, because uh, a lot of what it's a lot of the the news items that are going on regarding the border uh, right now are uh, are not being are not being reported. I mean, it's not just not sexy anymore for the mainstream media. So um, <clears throat> he's got uh, he's going to give us an update. We also have Mr. Todd Benzman. Todd is a regular with us. Todd is a um, Todd works with the Center for Immigration Studies, and he is also. A, a uh, frontline reporter, uh, he's going to be talking to us all the way from Tapachula, Mexico, down on the uh, Guatemala-Mexico uh, border, and he's going to be telling us a very, very disturbing report, my friends, very, very disturbing in my opinion. This is regarding the issue of how um, the uh, Mexican government is allowing people to sneak to the border. Uh, what does that mean? That means that they are trying to avoid the spectacle of mass caravans, of these huge caravans crossing uh, Mexico and uh, getting to the border. Huge numbers of people that the media focuses on. Well, what is happening now, my friends, is that they are being broken up into small little groups. They call them ant trails. And these little ant trails are, are, are throughout this, the, the country the, the Mexican government is actually facilitating them. And uh, so these small groups of people uh, are constantly, daily, hourly, reaching our border, but they're doing it in, in a very, very uh, <clears throat> just underhanded manner. Uh, they uh, are not coming in huge numbers, but rather they are coming in, uh, they are arriving in small groups. And the, and the reason for that, again, is because Mexico wants to avoid the spectacle, the uh, optical, the optic, uh, the optics of a huge group arriving at the border. And uh, we still have the same problem, only it's small groups. We then have also uh, Mr. John Zadrozny uh, with the, um, with the, the Center for uh, the America First uh, Institute in Washington, D.C., John is the director of the Center for Immigration and Homeland Security in D.C., and he's going to be chatting with us again about some of the uh, policies in Washington, D.C. that continue to make things worse on the border, my friends, continue to make things worse. <clears throat> John is, uh, is, very, very, uh, is a very knowledgeable individual. He's right there on the front lines in Washington, D.C. Our final guest is Congressman uh, Cloud from the uh, 27th district 
in uh, in in Texas. Congressman Cloud is the um, Michael Cloud is the uh, congressman whose uh, area borders um, the uh, the border the 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 border the Mexico Texas border area. He doesn't touch the border per se, but he uh, his district uh, is a uh, let's say a crosswalk uh, for the uh, illegal immigration and for the uh, narcotics trafficking. Uh, they all cross right through his uh, through his area, and uh, he has written a very very scathing uh, letter to uh, the. Uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas regarding the number how uh, the number of deportations uh, that uh, are happening. Uh, you'll want to hear what what Congressman Cloud has to say. So, folks, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, call your friends, tell them to join us. Please uh, support our program, and uh, and if you are interested in getting more information, please go to our website, El Conservador. Uh, George Rodriguez, as well as uh, go to KLUP's um, uh, website uh, for El Conservador, and you can uh, listen to this podcast, as well as past shows. So, folks, thank you very, very much for joining us. Let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer, here in San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark, uh, with Breitbart, uh, he is a uh, special uh, reporter correspondent down on the border, and I wanted to reach out to him uh, at the start of our show to um, ask him to give us an update of what uh, what is going on. We know that um, the crisis continues, but um, because I guess the public and the and the mainstream media is getting kind of tired of it, there's not too much being said about it. However, the problem continues. Randy, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Tell us, give us an update. What's going on? Well, George, like you say, we're, we're heading into a brand new year, and, you know, it's more the same on the border. It, it's certainly still a crisis. Uh, it's nowhere close to closed. There's some dynamic changes uh, along the southwest border with uh, Del Rio sector right now, the border patrol leading the nation in apprehensions. That's a brand new thing this month, and, and it may not last. It's, it's a dynamic that doesn't often change, where one region of the border now becomes the busiest. So that's something that hasn't happened since 2013. It will probably be short-lived, but there is plenty of traffic in Del Rio. They are seeing daily groups of migrants crossing that number over 100. Uh, in just the last two days, they had two separate groups that totaled 800 wow. across the Rio Grande and surrender to the Border Patrol. So each group had 400, mostly Venezuelan migrants, family units, unaccompanied children. And uh, that's pretty significant for this time of year. And with the weather that we got. As you know, it's, it's pretty cold right now, so that's not a good situation for the Border Patrol for a number of reasons. It's, number one, it's dangerous crossing that river with children, uh, and, it's, and it's also very taxing on their resources in Del Rio. It's not as big of a sector staffing-wise as, let's say, the Rio Grande Valley. They have about a third of the staffing that Rio Grande Valley does. So there's a number of reasons for that dynamic change, and one of those is some of the actions that are happening on the Mexico side of the border. We know that uh, there have been some arrests of large groups in Mexico by INAMI, which is Mexico's immigration arm. And uh, they've also rescued some groups that were kidnapped, actually bound, chained, and, and uh, blindfolded uh, in houses that might signify some kind of territorial dispute between smugglers and or particular cartels. So there's a lot going on right now, and it doesn't seem to be slowing. The... Um the situation with the uh, with um, uh, the border patrol, the uh, how how is the the morale? Uh, I mean, how how are they holding up in this whole situation? Well, I, I speak to border patrol agents almost daily. I have a lot of friends from from before I retired there that I've carried into retirement, and I, and I see them in and around town, and, and not only in Eagle Pass or Del Rio, but also the Rio Grande Valley. And, the sentiment seems to be about the same. You know, they are absolutely exhausted because, you know, you have to imagine what it looks like to go into an overcrowded facility with hundreds and hundreds of people uh, overcrowded, in some cases, by 800% capacity. Uh, that's, that's a rough thing to expect of somebody six days a week and near 12 hours a day. So they're taking that stress home to their families. They're also battling a pandemic. You know, this 2021 was 
the deadliest year for line of duty deaths for the border patrol and, and the vast majority were covid related and uh so they have they have been dealt an enormous blow uh they are not out there trying to arrest narcotic smugglers and and smugglers of aliens where they normally would be the citizens and, re- and residents are frustrated so they're, they're getting it almost from every end they know what their responsibilities are but they just are too overwhelmed to do it so morale is probably as low as it's ever been what about what about the total numbers i mean uh in fiscal year uh 2021 uh what was the final number i mean what was what uh of encounters uh, of detainees etc cetera, etc cetera. what uh, what was the final number so we know we were slightly over 1.7 million wow. if you look at the fiscal year uh if you look at the the calendar year we were 1.9 because that increase in in uh, traffic along the border really started January. Yeah, so right, exactly. For several months, were rather slow. Average apprehensions about 60,000. We jumped to more than 170,000 a few short months later, three, almost three times as much. So, uh, And I would imagine it's going to be even worse this coming calendar year, or fiscal year, too. It sure is, because those first few months of the fiscal year in 2020, the end of 2020, moving into 21, that the Border Patrol saw about 60,000 apprehensions a month, we started in October, November, and December, over that 170,000 mark, as if it were January of the previous year. So this year is by far going to eclipse, without some significant policy change, it's going to eclipse last year. There is no doubt about it. And it's not just the apprehensions, it's the number of gotaways. We ended up with very close to half a million people that the Border Patrol believes eluded apprehension. Now that's, that's from cameras, aircraft platforms, sensors, uh, old-fashioned sign cutting and footprint following that's their best guess uh, but but we just don't know they understand that's not accurate what what about the issue I mean we're talking about uh, the uh, human trafficking what about the, um, the the drug trafficking so you will see that, that the, the seizure of narcotics tends to drop when you have busy migration human migration uh, and, and we're seeing that now. The ports of entry are seeing a lot of seizures uh, of fentanyl and methamphetamine. We know that DPS is part of their Operation Lone Star. They are seizing record numbers uh, of, of fentanyl uh, quantities. So we know that it's out there, but it's a holiday for these narcotic smugglers, the cartels from the Mexican side. It's not only a holiday when it comes to them being able to push narcotics across the border more easily because there isn't anybody out there, but, but also it's a boom for them because they're making record amounts of money smuggling humans. You know, by the Border Patrol's own estimation, the average smuggling fee is about $5,000 per person. So if you do the number of crossings in a month, simple math, and assume that that's a valid, accurate estimate, and they get this from the aliens themselves, you're looking at almost a billion dollars in profit in 30 days. Wow. That's a big industry. So they're, they're really celebrating right now. They have no reason not to be. Yeah, really. Um, the uh, the other issue is um, <clears throat> the uh, the cartels uh, and the violence um, that uh, there have been shootings at uh, border patrol agents, as well as border patrol agents have been attacked by illegal aliens. Uh, has that escalated anymore, or is that still, or is it um, kind of going away? Well, just a few weeks ago, the border patrol came under fire in front of Texas. That's that's near Roma, and and that area historically has been very dangerous for the border patrol. There are airboats that have been shot at, uh, so there's always that danger. But and you would think the assaults would have increased substantially based on the apprehension. The problem with that theory is, as you take the border patrol agents and you relegate them to just giving humanitarian aid and processing thousands and thousands of migrants daily, you take them out of the field. So those assaults have continued almost to that level and risen just a little bit, but not commensurate with the huge rise in apprehensions because they're just not out in the field as much as they should be. Wow. Randy, what do you think the next the next big story is going to be? You know, I, I worry sometimes, George, because I know a few days ago a seven-year-old uh, Venezuelan migrant child drowned in Del Rio, you know, in the night while her mother was trying to cross her. Uh, I, I hope it's not going to be a tragic story like that, but sadly, I, I don't see any good news on the border right now. I don't see any real effort to address it on the part of the administration. Uh, I know folks are frustrated that live on the border, and I think 
little by little folks like yourself uh, are getting the word out and hopefully people will realize before it's too late but I, I think it's probably going to be a, a, a tragic story of some sort of sense yeah I, I bet Randy thank you very very much for taking time to be with us this morning tell the folks where they can follow you and where they can read more of your uh, reports well they can find my stories at, at Breitbart Breitbart.com and uh, I'm at Randy Clark uh, dot uh, Breitbart, Texas. Randy BBTX on Twitter. You got it, buddy. Thank you very, very much. We've been speaking with our good friend Randy Clark from uh, Breitbart uh, down on the down on the on the border. Randy, stay safe. Okay, thank you, George. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 9:30 AM radio, The Answer. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. News. Howdy, howdy, howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got our good friend, Todd Benzman, from the Center for Immigration Studies, uh, all the way from Tapachula, Mexico, down on the southern border of Mexico, down at, uh, on the Guatemala border. Uh, wanted to get him on because... Uh, he's written another article, a uh, very, very good one, regarding what is happening uh, with the uh, border crisis, what uh, new developments are. <clears throat> Todd, thank you for taking time to be with us. I hope you're staying safe. Uh, tell us about your new um, the, your, your uh, new article. What is going on? Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me on again, George. Uh, my uh, reporting doesn't do as well uh, for the country if uh, people aren't magnifying it like you, so appreciate that. So yeah, uh, Tapachula, Mexico is a, a major crossroads on the migration route from Colombia all the way to the Texas border. This is where all the migrants spill out by the tens of thousands into this city and through it and then keep going or hope to keep going. Uh, the Biden administration knows this and cut a deal with the Mexican government uh, about a year ago and several times since then too reinforcing a deal to keep the migrants here for as long as possible by requiring that they get Mexican documents. Uh, that usually is slow-rolled for months at a time, uh, creating a lot of frustration and friction among the uh, Haitians and Africans and uh, Central Americans and uh, people coming from all over the world. They get bottled up here behind a dam. It's like a, a dam. Uh, and they are not allowed to go forward. They're, they stack up until there are 30, 40, 50,000, and they start rioting. Uh, but the the story that I wrote today, or a couple of days ago, at CIS.org, is that the Mexican government found a way to secretly move them all forward all at once anyway to the American borders that nobody could see what they're doing by granting these QR code visas, which are fast-track uh, immediate uh, permission slips, permisos to go forward and then to bring up buses and disperse the crowd among 14 different Mexican states. So in other words, you have 50,000 people moving all at once, but in divided into what, what, what the locals here call ant operations, like ant trails that nobody can see. And they did that in December. They moved uh, anywhere from uh, thirty to 50,000 of these migrants out of Tapachula using this artifice, this pretense uh, that they're doing something for Biden, but then, uh, you, then they, didn't, they broke their agreement by you know, secretly moving them all up in a way that's not visible. And they just did that in uh, late December, early January, and those tens of thousands are now hitting the Texas border hundreds and hundreds, and the QR codes, are uh, visas are ending up on the Texas Riverbank. That's how we know for sure. Uh, they're also crossing uh, by the uh, 
Williams in Yuma, Arizona, and all along the Texas border. So um, that's what my story is, just sort of revealing this this uh, duplicitous act by the Mexican government that would go completely unpunished and without any consequence whatsoever if nobody exposed it. So now I guess it stands exposed. That's amazing. Now, recently there was an article um, that um, Guatemala had broken up a, uh, a caravan of about 300, which is, you know, a drop at the bucket. But, um, you know, if these countries continue to facilitate these, uh, you know, the invasion of the United States, what, uh, what can we do? Well, the, the, you're right. Uh, there was a, uh, they tried to start a caravan down there. Um, they were gearing the Mexicans. Uh, we watched as the Mexicans mustered troops and soldiers and, you know, kind of made a big thing out of uh, enforcing here. Not that it was going to do any good, because when all those people get here, they'll bottle them up here for about two months, and then they'll all get QR codes and head to the, to the American border immediately. But they, everybody puts on this sort of fake kind of artifice, this pretense. All of those people are going to ant trail their way up here anyway in smaller groups, single file, single uh, individuals and small groups that are not noticeable. They're all coming. The, the game is to avoid the media spotlight on caravans that caravans cause and that Del Rio migrant camps cause. That's the whole purpose of ant trailing these people, ant operationing these people. It's the title of my article. What can be done is far more air repatri- repatriation flights from the United States all the way back to Africa and Haiti and all of these countries. It's really the only thing that that works uh, like uh, maybe a nuclear weapon. It is that powerful of a a deterrence. The Biden administration is doing some air repatriations now of Central Americans and Haitians, and that is having a tremendous influence on Haitian behavior and Central American behavior. And I've spoken to a lot of Haitians who, when they get their Mexican cards, are not going to cross the southern border. They told me they're going to stay in Mexico because they are utterly frightened of being sent back to Port-au-Prince, the capital of Haiti. That air repatriation flight as a tool needs to be vastly expanded if you want to shut the mass migration crisis down. It has to be relentless, and it has to go to all of these different countries, not just Haiti. That's a, you know, it, it really is um, ju- just tragic that we are not punishing illegal immigration, but rather we are rewarding it and that, uh, you know, these people continue to take advantage of it. Um, of course, it's human nature. If you, if, uh, you know, these migrants, they, they're, they're on social media, they all have uh, cell phones, and when they, you know, are plugged into WhatsApp and everything, you know, they've got everybody's in the chat room uh, with the people ahead of them. They're saying, yeah, they're letting us in at Del Rio, or they're letting we we crossed here, and they then they bust us to Indiana. You know, we're in. Uh, that's reward for the behavior, and it entices you know all of these people down here, fifteen hundred miles away, to just keep charging forward. Yeah, <clears throat> and then once they get into the United States, they are being uh, flown all over the place, and uh, we have we seem to have our own internal ant trails, so to speak. Yeah, we do. That's a good way to put it, because they're doing those flights into the American interior at night and dispersed to all kinds of cities so that nobody would notice what's happening. It's an ant operation in in the United States. I haven't thought of it that way. I'm going to use that, George, in my next piece. Yeah, please do, because, I mean, you know, it's become very, very obvious to everyone except for to the mainstream media how uh, they are being, how we are being colonized by uh, illegal aliens, and um, the Biden administration is facilitating it. Not a small number either, but hundreds upon hundreds of thousands in just a single year. This is a major event in American history. Wow. Incredible. So um, <clears throat> what's your next uh, uh, article? What's your next view? Tell, tell, uh, tell the folks how they can follow you. Well, uh, my next piece is going to be about how the United Nations office here is handing out cash to these migrants and uh, rent assistance and uh, helping them stay here uh, long enough to reach our border. Uh, So 
and I've got a couple more uh, in the hopper too. So just if you want to watch me, uh, my material is at cis.org, Center for Immigration Studies. I'm also posting a lot at T. Benzman Getter and uh, on Twitter, Benzman Todd. Uh, if you go to my Twitter feed or my Getter feed, you can see a lot of photos and video from this uh, trip, this reporting trip I'm on right now. But I'm coming back to Texas this Friday. Well, well buddy, you stay safe. Thank you very much for, for uh, talking to us today. We've been speaking with our good friend, uh, Mr. Todd Benzman with the Center for Immigration Studies. He is, he is way down in Tapachula, uh, Mexico, down on the uh, Mexican-Guatemala border. Thank you very, very much to, for taking time to be with us, Todd. Great to be here. Thanks, George. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez and Conservador on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. John uh, Zadrozny, from uh, the Center from for, Immigra- for Homeland and Immigration uh, with the America First Policy Institute in D.C. And uh, I wanted to get John on here because, uh, well, because we've spoken to him before and chatted with uh, him about other issues John, let's talk about three things that are, have been happening this past week uh, and that have become, uh, you know, uh, that, are, that are either flying under the radar of the mainstream media or they're flat being ignored. First of all, the changing demographics, um, you know, where we've got uh, the celebration of the uh, March for Life going on uh, this coming weekend, and... Um, while uh, the open the, the the borders are open and the uh, liberals and leftists are talking about how we need new people to come in, uh, they seem to be uh, you know very very happy with uh, the number of abortions that go on. Your thoughts? Hey George, happy New Year! It's great to be with you again. Uh, no, I, I think you're exactly right. I think um, there's no better occasion than the anniversary of the horrendous Roe v. Wade decision by the Supreme Court to talk about this. Uh, Basically, since Roe v. Wade came down from the court in 1973, uh, we've aborted in excess of 60 million Americans. Um, and that's a, a horrendous act. It's not a tragedy, as some people call it. It's, it's infanticide. And um, tens of millions of people have died because of a, a rogue court. Um, but it also raises another big issue, which is that I think part of the reason the left is borderline obsessed with amnesty for illegal aliens, for people who have come here illegally, crossed our border without permission, broken laws after that, um, is because of Roe v. Wade. I think that it turns out when you when you abort 60 million children in the womb, you're short about uh, 60 million voters. And the left is in a position where they, they can't really win elections unless they've got this constant influx of people who are dependent on them and their promises of goodies. And so, um, you know, when you don't have, you think about the way like voters tend to vote who are domestic, you know, they're born here, native born citizens. You know, Dems tend to get younger people, and they tend to get older people. Um, they tend to get younger people because they don't know any better, um, and the, all the liberal policies sound wonderful and shiny until they start getting married, having children, and paying mortgages. Then they start to vote Republican, and then some of them start voting Democrat again when they want Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Um, so, we, But when you kill all those people, um, you actually prevent them from voting. So the left needs those shortfalls. Oh, and I didn't even mention the minority communities. They've been chasing away with a complete failure to provide anything of value for them over the last 20 years. And so that combination is lethal to the Democrat Party. I think as we hear them every day, they're very loud, they're very shrill. Um, but I, I don't think that's an indication of a majority party. I actually think that's an indication of a hyper-minority party. And I don't mean racial minority, I mean numerical minority. I think they're fading, and I think the need to import tens of millions of new voters uh, is, is crucial for them. It's not just something they'd like, it's something they need to survive. Um, so I, I, as much as Roe v. Wade was a horrible court decision, as much as it's a disgrace that we've allowed ten million, tens of millions of Americans to be killed by abortion, um, it, it, the fight to end abortion is crucial, uh, but it also underlines that um, we are, the, the, when I say we, like the conservative royal we, are winning because the left is hyperbolic about the need for amnesty. And if we keep fighting on these two issues, we're going to win. Yeah. You know, it, it's very fascinating to me how um, the uh, the uh, leftist liberal governments, local governments, are um, 
uh, allowing uh, illegal aliens to vote in their local elections, which uh, I think foretells of what they want to do on a national level. It absolutely does, George, and I'm glad you brought that up. It's a very important subject because that that right now that effort in the, the deepest blue parts of the country, in New York and in California, uh, liberals are trying to allow illegal aliens to officially vote in these elections. You and I both know that illegal aliens are voting in all elections right now, and um, state and local governments have done a terrible job of stopping it. Um, it happens all the time, and if we actually audited voter rolls across the country, we'd realize how many illegal aliens are voting. And if we stopped, the left would start screaming to the, to the clouds uh, to get that restored. But if you'll notice, they keep saying, no, 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 this is just about local elections. This isn't a federal business. Uh, what they're trying to do, George, is they're trying to get the proverbial camel's nose under the tent. Um, because they want to get people comfortable with the idea of illegal aliens voting. Um, and they'll just they'll poo-poo the idea that this is a threat until the day they decide that this should be federal as well. Yeah. Um, so this is about like building momentum behind the scenes and um, also making it easier for them to accidentally vote, quote-unquote, accidentally in federal elections. Because don't forget, uh, as much as they can say they're bifurcating those votes on election day, a lot of these elections occur on the same day. And yep. so... Um, Local, state and local non-citizen voting is an existential threat to the rights of citizens, and people should take a hard look at stopping it in their state legislature. I know a lot of states are kicking off their state legislatures this week. No better time than to prevent this from happening going forward. Yep. <clears throat> Let's talk about another issue related to Homeland Security, and that um, is a situation that occurred, an incident that her- occurred here in, Sa- here in Texas this past week where um, a, uh, a, a, uh, a a Islamic uh, terrorist um, took over a uh, synagogue, and um, first the FBI said it wasn't terrorist-related, uh, and they said it pretty quick, I mean, within hours of the incident occurring, and then uh, the um, mainstream media has been very, very slow to cover it. Uh, your thoughts on that? George, this is a, a, an unfortunate rehash of some of the nonsense we saw during the Obama administration. If you recall, there were all these instances of radical Islamists blowing things up, shooting people, taking hostages, um, screaming Allahu Akbar. Um, and then afterwards, you had a lot of leftists in the Obama administration, including their, their sycophants in the media, scratching their heads saying, I guess we'll never know his motivation. Um, and then now you've got a, a beclowned FBI that will just, like, come out and echo saying, we're not really sure what he was thinking. I mean, it would be, if it wasn't so dangerous, it would be funny. Um, I think what you've seen is this, is this is a reminder of two things, uh, one of which is that uh, radical Islam is a national security threat. It has not gone away. Um, the post-9-11 threat environment is real. Uh, our enemies are very patient. And this is one example, just one very small example of how dangerous that is. And it's also a reminder, though, that the Democrat Party is deluding itself when it pretends this isn't a problem. That's not a surprise. And it's also a reminder that a porous border makes this more possible. My understanding is the individual who took those hostages, took those hostages, um, entered the United States in the last few months. I'm, that may not be correct, and I'm sure we'll find out exactly what the factual backdrop of this dangerous man entering the country is. But it's pretty clear that he was a radical Islamist. He came here to take hostages to try and free a radical Islamist. And the threat continues to be real. And we've got to do something about it. And I hope this wakes people up regarding the border. I mean, the border is a threat when you have millions and millions of people crossing the border. I mean, George, we estimates range between 2 and 2.5 million regarding the number of people who have entered the country illegally in just the last year under the Biden administration's absolute catastrophic capitulation on the border. Um, that's in addition to the 30 million illegal aliens who are already here. Uh, that just logistical nightmare is a hard enough problem. But when you throw radical Islam on the pile, it's a, it's a, a disaster waiting to happen. And I truly hope nothing happens as a result. I, I don't hope we don't see. I, I hope we don't see any dangerous terrorist activity. But it's almost an inevitability because if you remember, uh, there was one major Islamist terrorist attack in the United States each year during Obama's eight years in office. So um, you know, Joe Biden's probably trying to catch up to that record. Uh, we have to make sure it doesn't happen, though. Yeah. Catch up to it, if not surpass it. Let me ask you one more one more question regarding this um, situation that uh, has been very, very, ESPN in particular, has been very, very quiet about it, uh, unlike when uh, George Floyd occurred. This uh, situation where an NBA owner, partial owner, I believe uh, for the Clippers, uh, made the comment that uh, the issue of um, uh, the Uyghurs, I believe it's called, they are called in uh, China, that um, their uh, discrimination, their oppression, 
doesn't really matter to China, to uh, in the NBA because uh, well because China takes care of the NBA. <laughs> yeah, George, I, uh, we live in a world where very little surprises me anymore. Um, you know, I, I'm always disappointed, but never quite surprised. But I'll tell you, I heard that and my jaw hit the floor um, because you basically. Ha- I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. I, I can't. Um, but that individual, who also, by the way, happens to be a Democratic Party mega donor. Um, said that slavery is not that big a deal. That's basically what he said. Um, and the, the, the Uyghur population, for those who are unfamiliar with it, it is a, um, a Muslim minority population in the People's Republic of China um, that has been abused for years just because they happen to be Muslim. But now they are, and when I say now, I mean in the last, like I'd say, couple decades, have been utilized for cheap labor against their will. I believe that's called slavery. Um, and um, a large swath of people are showing their true colors here for a bunch of different reasons um, and saying that that's not a big deal. Uh, it's a giant deal. It's slavery. Uh, I don't want to hear anyone talk to me about the immorality of slavery if they don't think this is condemnable just as much as any other form of slavery, but it is. Um, and it, it raises another issue, too. It's, it's disgusting that you've got prominent figures who are affiliated with the Democrat Party saying slavery is no big deal. But there's another dimension to this, too, George, which is we're always hearing um, how China has a superior economic model and they're an economic partner of ours and we've got to work with them and things are cheaper there. Well, it raises a serious question. Is their economic model really something we should be aligned with for moral reasons? Right? If, If the reason Chinese goods are so cheap is because they're using slave labor, Maybe we shouldn't be working with Chinese companies. Maybe we shouldn't be smiling toward American companies moving there. Maybe we should be taking a harder step. You know, it's really easy to reduce your overhead and save costs when you have slaves. <laughs> it's not an economic model. It's an aberration. And I really hope – it's for anyone who happens to be a registered Democrat who's listening to this and heard that and is okay with that, I think you're going to have to go back to the drawing board and think about what you really believe. I don't think most people agree with what was said. I think most people would probably have been stunned to have heard that. And I think if we're going to oppose slavery, this has to be fought. This comment has to be rejected. People have to disown it. And we have to start getting to a place where China is called out and held, held to account. I mean, the whole world's about to go tend to the Olympic Games in China. Um, none of these countries should be there if they actually oppose slavery. Amen. I don't know why we're allowing China to host any Olympic Games until they've cleaned up their act on several fronts. Um, but we have a lot of work to do, George. Just a reminder that there's never really, a, you know, it's never really a quiet day for us in terms of helping America um, and making sure that the right thing happens here and around the world. You got it, buddy. <clears throat> We've been talking with our good friend, uh, Mr. John Zdrozny, <clears throat> from the uh, America First Policy Institute in Washington, D.C. John, tell the folks uh, how they can support uh, the America First uh, Policy Institute and where they can follow you guys. Thanks, George. Uh, well, uh, as George mentioned, I'm the director of the Center for uh, um, Homeland Security and Immigration at the America First Policy Institute. Uh, I have the privilege of working on homeland security, uh, immigration, and related issues. But we have other centers ranging from uh, election integrity to health care to criminal justice. Uh, and I encourage you to come check us out. Uh, our website is AmericaFirstPolicy.com. That's AmericaFirstPolicy.com. And if you uh, need help, if you happen to be a state legislator and you want some help with making sure the right thing happens in your state, please give us a call. If you want to know what we're about, just give us, uh, you know, visit at the website. and We're here for you. Excellent. Thank you very much, John. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio here in San Antonio. And we've got a new guest with us, uh, Congressman Mike Michael Cloud from the 27th District in Texas here. 
And the congressman's district is uh, southeast of San Antonio. And it happens to be right between the, uh, right between the border as well as the rest of the United States. That's the only way that we can put it. Consequently, it's become kind of a, like a thoroughfare. And uh, the congressman recently wrote a very, I, I'll use the word scathing, uh, letter to the uh, acting director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, uh, Tay Johnson, uh, regarding the issue of uh, the arrests and deportations of people uh, of illegal aliens and apparently how it's uh, the pace is much, much slower. Congressman, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. Talk to us about this letter uh, that you wrote and, and uh, what encouraged you to write it. Well, we all now know the, the travesty of what's happening at the border. You know, the humanitarian crisis, the national security crisis. Uh, what has been tragic is the Biden administration's refusal almost to have any sort of real enforcement at the border. And so what we see now is record numbers of people crossing illegally. And then recently uh, we see ICE. Uh, almost 90% reduction in, in deportation. So enforcement's at an all-time low, while uh, uh, illegal crossings are at an all-time high. There's been no budget cut, uh, and so we shouldn't see this sort of action happening. Now, we know that this administration, they won't come out and say, we want open borders, but they're doing everything they can to de facto implement open borders by allowing the cartels really to tax our systems in such a way that they're overflowing uh, and, and so basically the cup just spills over and, and we have very very little enforcement uh, and so whether it's this or whether it's safe third country for example to where they'll say they're enforcing it but when you really look into the details of it there's really not uh, anything happening there this is one of those where they're taking ice as they have border patrol in the past people who signed up to protect and defend our country taking an oath to the Constitution, uh, you know, good people doing their best efforts in really bad situations, uh, and, and they're basically asking them to turn a blind eye to the law. And uh, and that's really one of the sad things that's happening. You know, in the previous administration, the Trump administration, a lot of people talk about the infrastructure, which was a key component, the technology that was put in place. But one of the big things they did was they just enforced the laws that were on the books. And uh, now we have an administration who's just kind of selectively, if, if any, uh, enforcement at all. And uh, it's, it's wreaking havoc on our country and certainly uh, in communities throughout South Texas. It's, uh, you know, in, in your letter you refer to how removals during the first five months, uh, removals of illegal aliens um, uh, has fallen by 90%. Uh, since uh, during the same period in, in uh, 2019, 90%. I mean, gosh, uh, who are they deporting? Yeah. Well, it, that's that's <laughs> that's one thing that's hard to find out. You know, and it seems very selective. It seems like they're doing just enough to be able to say they're doing something during a press conference. But when you look at really the goals of, in, of uh, enforcing our border, uh, making sure we... You know, and, and really comes down to incentivizing a legal process versus an illegal process. You know, um, my wife is actually a naturalized citizen, so she came here from, from Mexico. We've gone through the whole immigration process. We, we did it the right way, legally and properly. That's what we want. We are a welcoming country. Uh, but to, to continue to aid and abet cartels and to incentivize an illegitimate process is very troubling. And so that's what we continue to see happening with this administration. That's very, very true. They seem to be encouraging illegal immigration rather than discouraging it. And and, and thus, uh, they uh, are encouraging uh, human smuggling and child trafficking and exactly. drug trafficking and everything else. Exactly. When, when uh, you know, I've been down to the border, obviously, a, a number of times. Um, and, you know, when I've been to facilities where a, a number of young women are there and, and half of them will admit to having been assaulted along the journey. Uh, you can visit ranchers where they'll come across their property and find what, uh, what has come to known as a rape tree, uh, where they're just doing horrific things to these young women. Those who make it through uh, and finally make it to a destination in the United States often still owe thousands of dollars to the cartel and are put into some sort 
Now, I'm very, very curious. Uh, do you get a response or cooperation from uh, answers? <clears throat> Excuse me, from ICE? Um, because in the past, under the Obama administration, I remember there were some congressmen that would ask something and uh, not get a response. Uh, correct. And, and a lot of that is what we see happening now. You know, I've been down to the border and have asked questions and had uh, officials running the facilities lie to us in our base about what we're actually looking at. Um, and so some of these investigations, of course, they're not wanting to answer the tough questions. But it's still important to begin the investigation for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is, you know, it, the American people are seeing what's going on, and it's very likely that the House will flip. And, and if the House flips, then, you know, I sit on the Oversight Committee, I'm, I'm a ranking member of one of the subcommittees, uh, we'll have subpoena power then to be able to compel testimony and those kind of things. Uh, and so sending a letter not only starts that investigative process, but it reminds them that there will be a day of account. Uh, and so if you're not enforcing the laws of the land, uh, then, then you need to, you know, step aside and let somebody fill that office who will fulfill their oath of office uh, to, to, uh, to champion the Constitution and to uphold the laws of the land. Um, and, and so uh, it's, it's, it's part of the process. Uh, unfortunate, you know, in government, sometimes it's more tedious than we'd like because we desperately, desperately need help along the border. Our community, you know, I live and work. You mentioned where our where our district is. Law enforcement will call it the fatal funnel because uh, because you, you have the cartels operating on the border. Now, of course, within the United States as well, but, but a lot of the way the trafficking goes is it goes to Houston, and then tragically we know Houston to be the, the human smuggling, uh, human trafficking capital of our nation, so to speak. And, and so a lot of the cartel activity will come through our district, through the communities of our district, uh, on the Houston, and then dis disperse throughout the rest of the country. Um, and, and so our, our hospitals are experiencing, our schools are experiencing, and, and of course, people, you know, communities, ranchers are constantly overrun. There's bailouts all the time. Uh, and then we see, you know, of course, the criminal element crime going up in communities as well. What's uh, what's your next step on this uh, in this fight? Because um, you know, for right now, you're out outnumbered, but um, we definitely need uh, somebody like your your voice in there. Well, when I first got to Congress, you know, a number of members of Congress didn't really under the border was kind of like so far away, and it just didn't, you know. And and we've been able to message on a point and get everybody. And I've taken a number of members down to the border for the first time to be like, here's what you need to know. You need to see this firsthand. And and I've taken media down to the border as well, and it's amazing to see their eyes for the first even 15 minutes on the ground talking to boots on the ground, just like, oh my gosh. The, the tricky thing about the border from a communication standpoint is you get to the point where people who haven't been to the border, when you start to talk about what's actually happening, if they have no knowledge of it or haven't been there, they may think you're uh, exaggerating when you're actually just <laughs> beginning to scratch the surface of how bad things are. And, and, uh, the good news is the American people now know and understand. They, they get that this is a criminal-driven, uh, uh, it's not this organic movement that's happening. It's, it's cartel-driven. It's, it's criminal, uh, organized crime at the highest level, um, international uh, organization efforts going on in this effort. And so the people now understand it. So obviously we have to get to the point where we're willing to look at these cartels on our southern border and, and acknowledge them as the terrorist organizations they are and treat them as such uh, in, in our stance. We could look at, you know, one of Mexico's major, uh, major sources of income is actually money coming from the United States back into, into Mexico uh, and, and all these countries. So one of the things we can do, too, is begin to look at how the money is leaving the United States and where, where it's going as, as well. Of course, we need infrastructure on the border. Uh, we, we need the laws upheld in the land. We'll continue to push for those. I will continue to push that that needs to be done. And then certainly, uh, the American people see fit to, to give myself and, and Republicans a, a chance. You know, I'm pushing. The one thing I'm continuing to say is, is if Republicans get another chance, we have to make sure we do what we say we're going to do. And, and we have to really hold this to account. It, it's not the time for... Uh, so we have to be bold in the implementation and restoring justice to our 
Congressman, thank you very, very much for uh, taking time to be with us today. Anything else you'd like to close with before we let you go? Uh, well, I thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. Of course, let's all be in prayer for our nation and continue to work uh, and do what, you know, there's a role for all of us to play in a nation of the people, by the people, for the people. And so, you know, I'm constantly encouraging people to get, find a way to get involved in whatever your passion area is. Uh, that's what it really takes in order to save our nation. And then, you know, if people want to sign up for our, we send out just from our legislative office at cloud.house.gov, we send out a, a weekly newsletter that kind of talks about what we're doing and uh, just to keep people up to date on, on really the legislative issues that we're involved in. And that's one thing uh, people can do for us to stay connected with them and let them know what the latest activities on the border and other topics are as well. Uh, but, but thank you for the opportunity to talk to you about what's going on. got it. We've been speaking with uh, our good friend Congressman Mike McLeod from the 27th District here in Texas. Thank you very much, Congressman. God bless you. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. (music) 